Broadcast direct from Straight Up Studios. I'd like to take a moment to give a special thanks to a couple of our sponsors. Rose Painting and Drywall, decorating Chicago land since 1967. For a quote, give Tom a call at area code 815-735-4654. That's 815-735-4654. 4654? 4654. Okay, just checking. Yeah. All right. You know what? Also, uh, (laughs) I'd like to give a thanks to uh, Tammy's Pizza and Pasta, two great locations, uh, one in Spring Grove and one in beautiful downtown Richmond. Best pizza and pasta you'll ever have. Check them out at Tammy'sPizzaPasta.com for a list of menu items, location, directions, phone number, whatever you need, I guess. Tammy's just go pizza. to the website. Just go to the website and then go directly to the restaurant. Just skip the website and go to the restaurant. Go to the restaurant. Yeah, it'll taste much better. <laughs> right. Uh, and this is our host already here, uh, Mr. Rick Atwater, ladies and gentlemen. Yay! Thanks, Chris. Uh, welcome to Recovery Internet Radio uh, and our show, Straight Stuff on Addictions. Our tag tonight is Matches and Gas, Two Friends Reunite in Recovery. So um, thanks for joining us tonight where we are every Sunday night at 8. And thanks to our engineer, sidekick, um, and whose latest title is Nerd. Nerd. (laughs) Resident Nerd. Resident Nerd. Mm -hmm. Keeping us up and running, Chris Atwater. Uh, And our intro music, which we haven't credited recently, but Brendan O is still our intro music person. Keeping things happening. Thank you, Brendan. Brendan O. And I actually think Brendan O has some new music out. I can't um, remember the name of his band, so I can't plug it. But uh, next week I'll do so. Anyway, you can call into the show for questions, comments, or opinions at 323-792-2977. And I have noticed that it is the same number every week. Every single week. That is. How convenient. 323-792-2977 or tweet at Rick Atwater. Yeah, you can actually tweet live tweet if you do that sort of thing. I mean, we've got, I know, all 21 people that, that follow Rick Atwater. Right, right. <laughs> you know, we're popularity up, is... Once we get up to 50, I think we might have to have a party. But you can tweet us live. I checked this while we're while we're talking here. You can listen to the show. And tweet. Go to Twitter. Say, hey, at Rick Atwater, I've got a question tonight. And I, we can see that and answer you live. Or make that call. Make that call. Matt's going to tweet right now. I like it. I was thinking about tweeting. Yeah, that would be fun. Um, Also, remember to check uh, recoveryinternetradio.com. That's us, recoveryinternetradio.com for all our archive shows and recovery resources. Yeah, everything's on there. The phone number's on there. You can link to the show live, all the archives. Check it out. Check it out. We also... As I've said in the last couple of weeks, we don't know, because we're an internet radio show, we don't know where our listeners are. Oh, but I was told, this is this is interesting. Okay. This is an interesting Sounds note. like news, sorry. We have, yeah, newsflash. <laughs> we have listeners in Turkey. Hey. Yes, we have Turkish listeners. Turkey. 
Right. Uh, that's true. It's a true. That's a true thing. We also have uh, we have at least one listener, maybe two, in Germany. All right. Yeah. So I'm feeling pretty. I'm feeling pretty frisky about that. <laughs> yeah, regular international crowd here. Yeah, we're international now. <laughs> so anyway, uh, but we would like to hear from you. We'd love for you to go to the website and sign up for our um, program reminder. And also that way we'll know, you know, if, if you email us, we'll know where you're from and we'll know where our listeners are from. That would be very interesting. Pins on a map. So let us know. We're going to get going with tonight's show, um, Matches and Gas. And our guest tonight is Matt S. Um, we were going to have the, we, we actually, I don't know if we got the matches or the gas here tonight. I think we're matchless. We're matchless. We got the gas. Yes. Okay. I was thinking you were going to pin it on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're half of the matches and gas. Half of the matches and gas. Yes. Um and uh so maybe you could maybe you could start by telling us well what give us the give us the story first that that uh, give us the overview of of uh why we kind of why we decided to do this show. Sure. Well, thanks for having me, Rick. Thanks for doing what you do, Chris. And, Absolutely. Um, it's really cool to have an opportunity to give back to the recovery um, community that's saved my life and continues to. So, um, in, in, in Jim's defense, he had some father duties this mm-hmm. evening. Uh, yeah. So, um, yeah, Jim and I met... Um, a long time ago, back in, uh, I want to say, 91. We were you know, beginning a sophomore year of high school. And then, you know, the very, very short version of the story is we were crazy together for, call it, uh, seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Uh, separated for ten, didn't see each other, and then reunited in, I want to say, 09. Mm. And had miraculously both found recovery. Mm after not talking for a decade. So that's the the really short version. And it was like mayhem before, and then, you know, we both found our bottoms without really knowing each other. Individual mayhem up until, yeah, a certain point, yeah. And then, you know, he literally was like samples as I'm walking through Dick's Sporting Goods. Mm -hmm. And uh, I walked by and I, I said, Jim. And... He was with his son, and we exchanged phone numbers, and something seemed yeah. different about him. Yeah. yeah. Were you a little Were you a little uh, hesitant to re-engage? Yeah. yeah, I was, because here's a guy that was from a former life, you know, a life ago that was a life that I no longer live, that uh, <laughs> I knew what happened when Jim and I got together. But like I say, something seemed different, so mm. we exchanged numbers, and I took a shot in the dark and called him Mm. and he was different on the phone too. And then probably the third phone call went after he dropped a couple hints of like recovery vernacular. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it was doing the deal or living like, Oh, or whatever, but Mm -hmm. he kind of alluded that he was in recovery. And finally I said, are you in the program? He goes, yeah. Do you think he was fishing or do you think he knew that you had you like leaked a little? 
Yeah, yeah, we both were. Uh, he was bigger in soccer. I played football all mm-hmm. through all through high school and um, did fairly well and maintained great point averages and ACT scores and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. which is amazing to me when I look back. Um, college, it got a little harder <laughs> <laughs> to maintain my grades, but um, did graduate college as well. So, yeah, it was. It was just mayhem when we got together. I mean, I've got some stories mm-hmm. to share, not to glorify it, but just to give you an example. Sure. Of, uh, yeah. You know, like, I was the kid when I was growing up that, that was, my mom would even tell me, you know, you're a risk taker. Mm-hmm. You need to be aware of that. And I had genetic predisposition on both sides of my family for substance abuse, mm-hmm. uh, alcoholism. Nobody mm-hmm. ever made it to recovery. Mm. on either side Mm. okay but from a very early age I remember like 8 years old I was standing on top of this uh, it's about a 12 foot cliff down to a creek bed Mm -hmm. and there was a creek and then like a gravel berm that led into it and I was just half joking to my friends saying you know why don't one of you guys uh, run and jump over this creek you know and they were all like you're crazy you know it's way too far don't do it and I was the guy that said, ah, whatever. You know, I stood <laughs> on the end, hung my toes over the edge, jumped, mm-hmm. and landed. And, like, my face came down and my body compressed into a lawn chair and slapped my face off of my knee, mm-hmm. fell back into the creek, and, you know, got up and was like, oh, I'm okay, you mm-hmm. know. Were you? I was injured slightly. <laughs> <laughs> Walk it off. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. You're, you're pretty yeah. rubber. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Rub some dirt in it. Yeah. So when I got together with Jim, you know, I, I was used to being the guy that would take the risks, that would be the outlandish one, if you will, or the guy that was willing to maybe drive when you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, Drive a little faster, perhaps. Faster around turns or off-road or jump things or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was used to playing that role and having people say, you know, that's crazy or you shouldn't do that or, oh, I kind of like it, but I'd never do that. And then when I would get together with Jim, he would do what I would do and take it one notch further mm-hmm. type of deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for instance... I recall one night where we were um, intoxicated, Mm -hmm. to put it mildly, Mm -hmm. and uh, it's very early in the morning. We're talking, you know, get arrested early, 1 Mm a.m. probably, Mm -hmm. and his father had this new sports car that was fast in a two-seater, and his dad was out of town. And the bright idea was, let's take this thing out for a drive. And sure. uh, Jim drove, and um, there's some railroad tracks at the bottom of a hill in South Elgin that I think they have since adjusted to be less abrupt hmm. and less of a launching pad. But mm-hmm. at the time, there was about a two-football field run from a turn off of, I think, Route 25 down towards the river, and then you would hit these tracks, and it would level off, and it would kind of act like a ramp, and then it would go back down, and you'd cross the river. So what I remember is Jim taking the turn and hammering the accelerator, and the car just shifts, and we're going 40 and then 50, and I'm like, he's going to let off. He's going to let off. 
he's certainly going to break. He's certainly going to you know, not keep the accelerator down. He hammers the accelerator all the way to the railroad tracks. Now we're airborne, and I remember mm. looking into the side view mirror here mm -hmm. and also looking at a guy on the sidewalk that was walking. So what I remember seeing is in the side view mirror, once we landed, there were sparks flying. And the car guy, bottomed out. The car bottomed out. Yeah, we were in the air for a bit. And uh, <laughs> then this guy on the sidewalk was literally, literally going like this, like an Arsenio Hall. Like, like pumping, like pumping his way head, to go. Like, yeah. Oh, that was awesome. <laughs> and yeah, so that was just an example. Did of you guys watch a lot of Dukes of Hazard? No. Yeah. <laughs> I did actually. Yeah, we don't want to. Yeah, we don't want to go there. We don't admit that. Yeah, so, I mean, he would just do things that I, I don't think I would have done that, you know? You know? And, and the way he worded it when when we spoke earlier in the week was, you get you get alcohol and drugs in my system, this is Jim talking, mm -hmm. you don't know what you're going to get. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be pushing the envelope and doing crazy things and not going to stop until it's all the way to the edge. And, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you were, and you were happy to accompany him or... Occasionally lead the lead the charge. Yeah, yeah, I think Jim was in the car once when I got a DUI. Hmm. You know, and um, absolutely, there were times when we would go off roading in my dad's Jeep and just you know get crazy and other instances. But you know, I, I fed off of the adrenaline that he would provide. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I think it was back and forth. Mm -hmm. You know. We yeah. were a dangerous combo together. That, yeah, because you were the one that said the whole, the, I think I told you, the title of the show was, well, we played with it a little bit, but matches and gasoline or matches and kerosene or something like that. And you had said, candle and kerosene, maybe, I don't know. You had said something like that. That's where I got the idea. Yeah. So, and, you know, and I keep, but I keep thinking to myself, you know, now as I listen to the stories, yeah. He sounds more like the match, but I, are are there any other are there any instances of times where you were more the match and he was more the gas? Um, not that immediately come to mind, or that I'm willing to discuss on radio. <laughs> um, there were there were other things that Jim and I were involved in that uh, you know were before I was I married. No, uh, I see. So I that and less than legal things. Yeah. yeah, yeah, less than legal things and morally inappropriate things, and mm -hmm. you know, it, mm -hmm. was, it was not good. You know, mm -hmm. I remember one night we, what what I remember of the night is he lived in this awesome house out in um, St. Charles, and they had like a loft with hay in it. I don't think they had horses, but they had a loft with a barn and, and hay up there. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a perfectly good place to go drink a bottle. Sure. Just hang out up there at 17, sure. 18 years old and, you know, talk about what we were solving the, the world's problems. And then we went inside his house and listened to uh, Neil Young. Hmm. Turned me on to Neil Young. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was the first, I mean, you know those moments where, like the first time you heard Comfortably Numb? Yeah. Pink Floyd? Yeah. You know, and the only way you can, and you can't possibly say that if you're um, not under the influence of something, or maybe multiple things. Perhaps. I, my encounters with Comfortably Numb or Neil Young have always been 
the first time was uh, was always under the influence. So yeah, there's something about that that the music and the memory, isn't there? Like uh, yeah, I don't know what that is, but yeah. he turned me on to Neil Young, and I remember just listening to it in his room and thinking, this guy is so talented. <laughs> <laughs> Really young, yeah. amazing. How have I not heard this before? Right. Yeah. You know, so. Did that? Did you ever? Did you ever hear Neil Young straight? Well, I, I still love <laughs> you him. You still like him? Yeah. Okay. Well, then yeah, we can. Absolutely. Then we can roll with that then. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, and then how long did you? Did you guys then? You must have known each other then, for a while in college. Yeah, a couple of years into college, it it started to drift. When I went away to school uh, down at uh, Western Illinois, well, where I went away to school at, and um, but my first semester out of school, I was at a, co- a school that was closer, mm-hmm. and I'm 18 you know, mm-hmm. in college. And are was, you living living at home? No, going to school, I'm, or are you I'm living, living in, the, in a dorm. Oh, okay. And talk about a training ground for an alcoholic mm-hmm. in college. Mm-hmm. It was like, I mean. You're expected to party. You're you're supposed to party, and now you're you're free to do whatever you want. And mm-hmm. I had no idea how to act like a responsible adult, mm-hmm. you know. So it was my first semester at school was um, crazy. I had always been a pretty good student, you know, right. AB student, and my first semester in college was like two C's, two D's, and an F. And my dad was like, you're coming back home. Right. You're going to finish. You're going to pay for Mm -hmm. yourself to go to two years of junior college. Mm -hmm. Show me you can do that, and then you can go away to school. And that's Mm -hmm. what I did. But it started to uh, come very apparent to me that when Jim and I got together, bad bad things would happen. A lot of fun would happen, but... Did he go to the same school, or did you just see him when you came back? He would come out a lot. And oh, he would come. Yeah, he, he would come. it as any chance to go to a college and party. I was all over it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, he would he would right. come out and hang out. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know. Was he going to school somewhere else, or he wasn't going to school? Uh, I think he did uh, maybe a year, and then he mm-hmm. started working. Yeah, I, I think when we talked, I think he mentioned yeah. that, right? So yeah, okay. So he would come out, and you guys would still hang out. Was it still matches and, and gasoline? Always. Yeah. Always, yeah. I mean, it was either. Uh, did you get any trouble in, in uh, college? Yeah, I did. Well, you got you got your grades sucked. Grades sucked. Yeah. Yeah, there were there were other forms of trouble though. Um, you know, I think my first DUI was at school, mm-hmm. and that was at 18 years old. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had another one in college at like 21, mm-hmm. and then another one after that. <laughs> and <laughs> and then, then uh, 21. Three, I think. So three. did we stop? Did we stop there? Or did we? Yeah, I had yeah. Three. Three. Yeah. Okay. That's pretty good. That's yeah. that should be a pretty. That should be a fairly I good. Was, again, you know, the guy that reminder when, when we would be at that moment when you're outside of the bar or you're outside of the party and everybody's like, dude, we need to call a cab or mm-hmm. we need to, you know, not drive. You know, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Give me the keys, whether it was my car or not. You know, you could handle it. Or so you thought. Yeah, yeah. And this is unrelated to Jim, but this is a, another quick, funny story. And if we're going over on the... the, the we're good. We're, all right. We're good. So, <clears throat> I'm in West Virginia. Hmm. I don't know the road. There's mountains in West Virginia. Yeah. Very twisty road. Yeah. It's not my vehicle. 
Mm. I'm with my cousins. We're all hammered. We decide to uh, let Matt drive home, and uh, they are going to do... You know how the rally car racers have the cockpit guy, yeah. the co-pilot, that yeah, says yeah. three clicks left, five, two degrees, <laughs> oh, yeah. bank 920, and he's like predicting the road for the guy? They yeah. were doing that for me, but it was more like, okay, hammer it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, big right coming up. Slow down just a little bit, though. Not too much. And this was with the lights off. Oh. By the way, by the moonlight. Oh. By moonlight. Yeah, moonlight, uh, rally racing. Rally racing in the moonlight in West Virginia. Mountains. Mm-hmm. Wasted. Wasted. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't get caught? Didn't get caught on that one, but yeah. uh, a lot of laughter and mm-hmm. good times. Mm-hmm. No one... Very close to the edge of... Yeah. That'd be... That'd be... That'd be lights out. Yeah. We were going anywhere from 40 to 80. On the road, there right? Are trees everywhere. Yeah, so it would be. Yeah. Yeah, Hamburger City. Yeah. Yeah, but everyone in the car loved it at the time. Sure. So and uh, so that was you were in college then, or was that after that? Um. You know that that was probably around my senior year. Okay. Yeah. Did you still have? And were you and Jim still connected at that time, or it did you started to fizzle at that point? And yeah, you know, Jim. I've never really gotten a feeling from him that he thought this the way that I thought it. I mean, I was literally scared of our interaction. I mean, I, it was like the same feeling. I call it like a twisted thorn mm-hmm. inside of your chest, mm-hmm. just below your sternum mm-hmm. that's tight, mm-hmm. and it feels like you're like twisting on it. That feeling would happen to me before I would go out drinking, not just with Jim, but in general. Mm-hmm. Because because you didn't know what was happen would happen either, did you? I was scared of it. Right. I had fear about my drinking, but you know how you ease that. Yeah, drink tension. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You have a couple before you go out. And yeah. That saves you a buck or two too. Right. So economy. That was the yeah. End of the, the That's called economy pre-drinking, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I was the one that was kind of fearful of our interaction. You know, and I, more so than him. I think even subconsciously to some degree, I was like, I right. you know if I hang out with this guy, it's not good. Right. You know, and I he, got a thorn in that, and and whether he has one or not, you feel your own. Yeah, and you know, I'm having a hard enough time dealing with my own situation. Right. Let alone two guys that are in the same boat. Right. When did you, you uh, first first notice that? I mean, how how you know how far along? was that before you were aware of that feeling? Uh, you know, that was that was into uh, early 20s, you know, second, third year of, of college type of deal. And then it kind of was like that until I quit. You know, I, I would have that sensation. Did, um, did, you, did other people get dragged into the vortex? Or was it was were you and Jim the ones that suffered the consequences of your own? We had some other running buddies. Um, you know, I don't remember any huge arrests that involved Jim and I, or you know, huge uh, debacles where we got caught or anybody got hurt or anything like that. But we had some running buddies that we liked to you know bring into the mix, and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they would dabble in our craziness and then go back and. 
say, well, we're not going to hang out with those guys for a couple of weeks. <laughs> That's what I was wondering. Is, did you ever get the sense that there were people that didn't want to hang out with you? Or did and then sure. would shy away? Sure, yeah. And the ones that weren't my friend were the ones that would just go away. Right. They wouldn't say anything. Right. Did I you ever have a couple hit? guys that did. What did they yeah. say? What they yeah. say? Uh, one good friend that I started to sense that he was pulling away a little bit, if mm-hmm. you will. And this was a kid that was going to the U of I on a scholarship for mm-hmm. athletics. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you know, I love you, man, and we're good friends, but you're like Jekyll and Hyde, and I don't know what's going to happen, and I just can't risk it. He's like, so that's what's been going on, is I can't afford to be around you. Right. You got a scholarship at stake and yeah. too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What did you think when he said that? Um, I thought he was right. And it hurt when he said it. You know, it was like, I know that he's right, but I'm not really ready to do yeah. anything about it just yet. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I think um, maybe this will be a good time for us to take a, a little bit of a break. I know we want, we have a song we want to play. Um, and I've got a couple other things I want to plug. So we'll, we'll put the song on, take a little break. And when we come back, maybe we can sort of talk about that empty space in the middle and then how recovery started. And maybe we talk a little bit about the, the getting back together again part. Cool. All right. Sounds good. Good deal. What do you got for us? Peter, we got a little uh, little James Taylor. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You just you were just pointing at me because you wanted me to read the ads. Is that what? You... <laughs> yeah. Read the ads. Yeah. Okay. All right. Can you turn that up? Yeah. Turn it up a little bit. I was fading it in. It was. Fading oh, you in. were fading it in. Oh, okay. <laughs> Producing over here. <laughs> okay. Um, oh, all right. So couple of couple of plugs um first one is our favorite band double take and you can find out uh you can find out about double take by going to doubletakechicago.com yes you can they've been playing locally i can't remember the name of the place they played last night i just saw i just looked on their website um but they'll be playing they play locally they're good uh, they're a fun band 50s through um through current music, that was some of it right there. Oh, we just we just just a, just a touch. Just a, what was that? Huge, oh, Rick yeah. House. I don't think I have any other upcoming uh, upcoming dates yet on their website. But what what was it? The ninth. The ninth last night. Bannermans. Bannermans. Okay. Yeah. I don't know where where's Bannermans. Uh, Roselle. Bartlett, I think. Bartlett. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they play locally. A lot of fun. Good dance band. Good good music. Um, Another another uh, friend of ours is uh, Dirty Laundry Designs. Um, they do recovery cards and bookmarks and things like that. And they uh, we've got some of their cards here. They're really they're really nice. I have some in my office. Um, they're for um, recovery occasions, anniversaries, and things like that. Some um, really cool cards. Yeah. They really are. Well, um, they have a website too. Okay. Yeah, Dirty Laundry Designs. Dot com. Thank you. All right. <laughs> Great how we work together, isn't it? Yeah. You guys are a dynamic duo. Dynamic <laughs> duo. Definitely definitely dynamic duo. And 
Um, our final um, uh, plug for this evening is Franz Chiropractic, Dr. Tom Franz. His office is in Crystal Lake. New office location for him, yes? Yes, it is a new He's He's in a new office, and uh, he's a great guy, and he's a good chiropractor. And if you'd like to contact uh, Dr. Tom Franz for chiropractic care, you can do so by calling 815-444-9466. Call Dr. Franz. The Franzinator. Yeah, check out the new the new office location there, right? In, uh, conveniently located in beautiful Crystal Lake. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So those are our friends, and that's who we wanted to talk to tonight or talk about tonight. All right. So we'll go back to uh, let's go back to uh, talking to Matt here. And thanks to uh, James Taylor for his. Uh, Lovely background music. Yeah. While we while we took care of business. Quite nice. Quite nice. Quite nice. It was a nice little. It was a nice touch that it was about friends. It's no Neil Young though. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> I could. I could have done. You know that. what? We, we should have done yeah. that. Play Neil Young. Yeah. yeah. Maybe on the way out. Yeah, yeah on the way out, shall we? Do that. Yeah. yeah. Got a favorite? <laughs> uh, I, one of the I know one of the older albums is Harvest. What's what's on Harvest? Anything? Well, let's see what comes. Heart of Gold. Heart of Gold, Gold yeah. Mm-hmm. Heart of Gold. Pretty good. Yeah. The Needle and the Damage Done. Ooh. Ooh. Anyway, Somebody's okay. A fan. Yeah. <laughs> so let's just see let's just see what comes up. Um uh okay, and sometimes we take questions on the air. Other times our studio audience has questions. Um and we have a we have a question from the studio audience which we'll address first. Did you look at this? I did. Um, you want me to read it again? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Letting something like this run its course, or forcing yourself into help you know you need but aren't ready for, which is better in your opinion? So in other words, let, letting something go. If you know that is if you have a choice. Right. Letting something go. Till its logical conclu- conclusion, or forcing yourself into the help you know you need mm-hmm. but aren't ready for. What's the better option, or, or are those either of those things options for you, or were they options for you? Well, when I was good question, by the way. Yeah, great question. Uh, when I was 18, I was forced into counseling and treatment. Yeah, it didn't work. Uh, you know, voices in my head said, you're too young, you have partying to do, uh, there's no way you're not going to do this for the rest of your life. Um, you know, and I was raised in an environment, I already mentioned the genetics aspect of it, but there was some active alcoholism going on, and uh, occasionally father would come home with a little buzz on, want to take a drive, and the the Mustang, and I'm driving, I'm 16, and he wants to stop and get some beers, and then he cracks one and hands it to me, so now he's, like, letting me drink and drive with him, and then I remember the first time that we smoked a joint together, he was really pleased (laughs) at that moment, he was like, finally, I get to uh, share this with you, so, you know, I fed right into it, but, um, you know, I was... uh, so there wasn't like 
that was that was the more natural way of being than anything that might have resembled. Yeah, not. I mean, literally, my wife says things to me today that she was uh, told when she was a kid. Whether it's discipline or you know your behavior will follow you for the rest of your life is what a big one hers. You know what you do today will impact you for the rest of your life. She's talking to our kids at this point. Right, and you're going, I'm "Wow, gonna, I never heard that yeah. before." Wow, That's what a concept! Yeah. That would have been a good one to hear. Yeah. Um, so yeah. no, I mean, I found things under bathroom. A little shocking sinks. even now to hear it, you know. But yeah, I found things under bathroom sinks. And anyway, at 18, I wasn't ready to hear it, so that was being forced in, and you know the. The other time that I tried recovery, when I was 25 in the year 2000, I went in with a half-hearted attempt, didn't do what I was supposed to do, but knew because my dad had kicked me out at 25 <laughs> with a college degree. <laughs> time uh, to go, Matt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I knew that I wasn't going to make it living the way I was living, which mm. was out of control, drinking and drugging. Right. So I stopped drinking, went to... Uh, some recovery, mm-hmm. didn't do what I was supposed to do, and was out of there. You know, like right. everybody smelled funny, and there were a lot of weird language they were talking about, and yeah. So that was me seeking it, you know, wanting to do something, but I didn't really do the work. So I went on to what they call the uh, marijuana maintenance program for mm-hmm. about four years because mm-hmm. I knew drinking would kill me. Right. And then to condense this way down, I found a reason to drink out of the country. Because it won't follow me back from out of the country. Oh. What happens in Mexico stays in Mexico. Oh, it's a long way to go. Yeah, for a, for a cocktail. Yeah, I made the decision <laughs> on the flight. Yeah. <laughs> so then it was the next time it was I'm out of the state. Uh, it won't follow me back to right. this state. Right. And then it was oh well screw it. There's drinking here. You know, like, I'm just back now. Right. And I drank for a year. Mm-hmm. And things got uh, really bad in that one year of drinking. I was right back to where I was at the end of my previous drinking, which was yeah. literally sometimes I would make it home and other times I would not. You mm. know, I would wake up somewhere and not know where I was or I would wake... I, I've woken to the sun on my face laying in between the sidewalk and the road. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've gotten... Uh, kicked out of places. Um, I, I was I was a big rage alcoholic mm. when I was you know in a serious mm. uh, alcoholic state. So altercations weren't yeah. by any means out of the question. I would, I would find somebody that needed to be taught a lesson, mm. and I was for some reason the guy that needed to, to teach to teach them a lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Yeah, it was insanity. I mean, I'm so so glad that I uh, had changed. Yeah, you know, but that was part of it. Just the rage valve would open. So let me. So you know, here's the thing that I that I wonder about. You know, so you know the the question, the original question there was about whether you should do something before, you know, you need help, but do right. something about it versus yeah. waiting until it runs its course. Yeah. But for so my question so so let me just sort of side go around the side of that one and mm-hmm. and say do you think that that first time you went into treatment that had like when you were eighteen right. 
had any bearing on what happened eventually when you... I do. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe in court-mandated stuff. Yeah. I believe if you... So even though, like you said, I mean, you said just to, I mean, I'm not, you know, but you said it didn't work. Right. But it, but what you, the what you meant, easy. it didn't work. Then. I it, the you didn't get sober then. I remember the counselor looking at me and, and holding up a can of Coke and saying, if this is a beer, you need to look at this beer as having a skull and crossbones on it. And this is poison to you yeah. because you're an alcoholic. Yeah. At 18. And you remember that. I remember that. Yeah. So something, something, something happened. And then the second treatment that you were in when you were, uh, I got to get, rem, remind me to get some cups with skull and crossbones on it too. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I think I have one. Yeah. Well, anyway. No one's going to want the coffee if you do that's that. That's true. That's true. They'll go, oh, it's poison yeah. to you. But the second treatment you were in when you were 25 then, so did that, was there elements of that that even though you were half-assed, uh, you know, half-hearted? Well, F- we're not FCC regulated, so I can say that. But anyway, right. um, you, you, did that have elements of help in it? Yeah, I that knew you that there was re- recovery available there. Right. You know, and that this was everywhere. You know, right. This 12-step program was available everywhere in the world. Yeah. You know, I knew that people were getting sober there. So you got some pieces there, yep. even though you were, in some respects, just going along to get along just to, yeah 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 and um you know i i think that quote unquote uh recreational drinkers or normal drinkers mm-hmm. they don't have those thoughts of i wonder if i'm an alcoholic i don't i don't think that they think that i think yeah. if you get to that point where you're like i wonder if i'm an alcoholic chances are pretty good that yeah, you should just follow that instinct and yeah. go check it out. Well, see, they, that's what they do to you in treatment. They they say stuff like that, and then you can never get it out of your head, no matter <laughs> no matter what. You know, you think you're an alcoholic. Well, what, what do you think I'm in treatment for? I mean, you know, here yeah. you are. You're in. Tre- yeah. People don't end up in alcohol and drug treatment because they're playing checkers too often. Right. <laughs> you know. So anyway, yeah. you've been in. Tre- so you were in treatment twice. Yeah. But yeah, I guess the point the point of all that was well, my you stuff know, did have to run its course. It had to run its course. It did but, have to run its course, you know. And the, but it was yeah, it was so it wasn't just one decision. The teacher doesn't appear until the student is ready. Yeah. And I wasn't ready to change until I had enough pain. Yeah. I had enough. Yeah. You know, Jim went off and we separated for a decade. And, yeah. And he had his own version of that pain, and he's told me pieces of it. I want another uh, detailed version because it sounds really juicy, but he he kind of alluded (laughs) to being in a vehicle, searching out something late at night and getting a gun pulled on him and, you know, ditching out of the car and running for his life and hiding in some bushes and that Mm -hmm. type of thing. Yeah. You know, and he was like, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) I might be a little out of control here. Yeah. You know, and mine was... You know, and he'll... And if, Jim, if you're listening, you're going to have to come on and correct Matt if he's wrong about that. Yeah. Yeah. Or we'll catch up to you later. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure he can tell it much, much better than I did. But, but anyway, he was, was doing his... Coach version. In his... In, in, in that 10-year span... He was running his course. He was running his course. I was Which, running my course. Who, who, who sobered up first? He did, by a year. Oh, okay. Yeah. You well, guys. Well, now three years. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We had a slight. We had a slight yeah. adjustment. Okay. Yeah, I changed my sobriety date today because I had a uh, 
situation two years sober where I found some old prescription medication that was not mine in my house, and it was like four years old medication. So I had a tiny little pain, and I took it with the intention of taking a little break from my mind mm. and going on vacation mm -hmm. for six, eight hours. Right. I wanted to alter my state. It didn't work. Anyway, it didn't did it? work. Then I took another one about two hours later, and I was like, this stuff's crap. And mm -hmm. then like two hours later, I took another one just to see if it was going to do anything. And I don't really think it ever did much, but I took those pills with every intention of changing my mind. Altering okay. Yeah, my getting high. Getting high. I was yeah. trying to. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that was two years sober, and instead of X amount of years sober now, I'm X minus two. Yeah. You know, and it felt good to come clean on that because it's been on my mind, and you know how things just kind of bounce around in there, and you're like, man, I, I should probably talk about that. Sure. I should, I should probably keep it, do something about sure. that. Sure, keep it clean. Get, yeah. get it cleaned up, absolutely. So um, you've – so he got sober about a year before. Yeah. A year before you, or yeah. three, yeah. but one or three, one or three, and then how how long into sobriety were you when you when you finally got reconnected? Four years for me, five for him. Okay, all right. Yeah. Okay. We we by chance met in yeah. uh, Dick's Sporting Goods. Yeah. And I walked by and he yelled my name, and we smelled. Uh, recovery, I think, at that point. Pheromones or yeah. the the language or whatever it is. There's something there. Right? The twinkle yeah. in the eye. The well, I always, is good. You know, if if you if if you like so, if you're an alcoholic and you like somebody, they're probably alcoholic. That's the way I think, anyway. You know, <laughs> and I, I really like you, man. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Yeah, that's okay. You yeah. know, it's just a way. You really you really like Jim, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what it means. Yeah. <laughs> that's, it was great to see him. And, that's the and, only thing you need to know. Yeah. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, I wonder if he's still nuts. Right. Did Did you guys, since you've known, since you've been reconnected, have you um, had the thought that he might get you in trouble in sobriety? No. Okay. No. No. I mean, Jim works a tight uh, recovery program. Good. You know, he uh, he has uh, you know the elements that a, a good recovery program have in place. Mm -hmm. you know, he has a regular schedule. He has regular communication. Mm. You know, he's um, accountable. Um, so no, I was I wasn't worried about that. Yeah. How do you guys? How, how do you guys? It took three phone calls though for us to smell yeah. it on each other and talk about it. Okay. And finally, I was like, are you in recovery? He's like, yeah. I got sober in 04. I'm like, wow, I got sober in 05. And we've been talking ever since then. And it's yeah. nice to reunite with somebody that you've known from a previous life and known for a long time. And things are drastically different today than they were back then. So, which which actually brings me to what I, one of the things I wanted to ask you is what, um, what's the difference between a friendship with somebody when you're when you're uh, under the you know when you're drinking when you're pra you know practicing your alcoholism and and a friendship when you're in recovery? 
I think at the most basic level, it would be that one is out of selfishness and one is out of a true, genuine friendship mm -hmm. you know, and, and caring about somebody, you know, and just enjoying the life together. Whereas before it was, what's he going to bring to the party? What am I going to bring to the party? You know, how are we going to... How am I vicariously going to be able to live through his craziness? And at the same time, how is he going to enhance my buzz? Right. My, you know, whatever I was getting into. So, I mean, I was about the party. I wasn't about being Jim's really good friend. Yeah. You know, it was just... I think we were both like that, so it worked for a while. Um, not to make it too shallow, but, I mean, we we did have sober times too back then you know mm -hmm. we would go play sports together movies or whatever but you know it, it revolved around the substances for yeah. sure and yeah i think it was very volatile too that it could just end at any moment or blow up at any moment and today you know we communicate several times a week and you know we share challenges with whether it's uh, professional challenges or fatherly challenges or recovery challenges or um do you feel like you support him in in your way i'd like to think so i know that he helps you know he's to me when when we talk he gives me a, a very stable feeling yeah, you mentioned that to me. It gives yeah. me a feeling of like this guy's got his shit together. You know, <laughs> he's well adjusted. He's well spoken. He's confident in who he is. He's comfortable in his own skin. He knows who he is, what he's about, and where he's going. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I come to him with a challenge that I'm dealing with in my path. Mm -hmm. you like know, you're not so not so self assured or not so comfortable at that time. At that moment, sure. Maybe somebody said something at work, or maybe mm -hmm. I'm dealing with an issue with my wife, or who knows what it is. But I come to him with some form of squirreliness, and I and I try to like get him to say, "Yeah, me too." <laughs> you know, like, hey, you ever you ever get like that? You ever feel like that? Nah, man. <laughs> I just, I just keep it really simple, you know. I, you know, I have faith, and uh, you know, I do the deal, and no, I don't get it like that. <laughs> I'm, I'm like, really, really, wow, all right, awesome. Yeah. So I just. So how do you do that then? Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, I don't know if he's, uh, you know. Some people are just like that, I suppose, you know, where they're just a little more mellow with what's going on. And yeah. They don't have the... Maybe that's one of those, maybe that's one of those things. I mean, you know, yeah, you're, a, you're, you're, you're wound a little tighter. You're, you have things that come up for you or whatever, and, you know, you go here, you go there. Yeah. Maybe opposites attract. I don't know. I've heard that. Could be. You know. Yeah. Who's, is your wife pretty, pretty uh, low-key stable? Ooh. Stable, yes. Low-key, sometimes. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. She'll admit that she, she likes a little control. Mm -hmm. um, but And she likes things to be just so. Yeah. But she's like this amazing 
woman that I would be remiss if I didn't mention because she, she's a huge, huge part of my life. Mm-hmm. And she's been there from the get-go. She yeah. saw marijuana maintenance. She saw a year uh, of drinking. Okay. I married her. I Wait a minute. I started drinking regularly mm-hmm. after the wedding. Like the day of the wedding. This was the out of the country, out of the yes. state, and then yes. ba- back home regularly. If you yep. can picture now I got her. Yeah. And now I can reveal who I really am. That yeah. sick, evil thought went through my head. Yeah. So she's been with me from... So know, she's seen the whole, the whole yeah. deal. Yeah. yeah. And she's like an amazing mom. She's loving and caring and is just awesome. And she makes a mean jambalaya, I might mean say. Mean jambalaya. <laughs> that goes a long you way. you got to come over for stuffed shells one night. Okay. And ger- German chocolate cake. Thank you. Very nice. You know what? We've got we've got a a, a question uh, from our from our Twitter here. Okay. We've got time here. I think we do still. Yeah, we got a little time. Yeah. Sure. Question from for Matt. Uh, due to your genetic susceptibility, do you think that you will ever not have any urges? No. <laughs> Can you say more about yeah. that, Matt? Sure. Short uh, answer. You know, alcoholism is a subtle foe. It's not alcohol that is subtle. It's alcoholism. And, you know, I put down drinking and drugging, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't creep into other areas of my life. That can include food, sugar, um, something that I'm not comfortable saying on the air, um, I've never, I, I've had the urge of gambling when I've just done like some little minor poker with buddies, but I feel that rush, mm-hmm. that tension, that excitement the same way. Um, you know, it can be, uh, adrenaline. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think I deal with urges on a pretty regular basis, which is why I, uh, focus on recovery on a really regular basis. And would those other urges... Are those other addictive things eventually in some way lead back to drinking? Or I think it could because yeah. if you let your instincts run wild, you're going to wind up in a situation where you're just miserable enough. You're just defeated enough. You're just messed up enough for the question of, you know, is the drink becomes an okay solution to, right. to ease some of that. Yeah, and it seems yeah. like the disease is a pretty smart, a pretty pretty slick foe. I mean, just that little story about it's okay to drink out of the country, then it's okay to drink out of the state, and then oh boy. Uh-huh. and then here we are drinking at home, and and it's like, I mean, it sounds crazy when you say it, but at the time, I imagine it it was, yeah, it seemed logical. Yeah, so I don't I don't necessarily have urges to drink today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had uh, my my father pass away. Mm-hmm. I've had um, other situations that are traumatic. Mm-hmm. I've had you know some real world stuff go on. Sure, and job my first, stuff. My first instinct or first urge is not to drink. Mm-hmm. My first instinct is to get into action and do something about it that is recovery related because that's the most important thing in my life. Mm-hmm. Period, and that is. <laughs> That is the thing that is the foundation that, that everything else in my life is built on. Yeah. You know, if that piece isn't in place, everything goes to hell in a handbasket very quickly. So when the shit hits the fan, so to speak, mm-hmm. my first instinct, thank God, mm-hmm. today is not to drink. 
My yeah. first instinct and first urge is to find somebody to talk to. Yeah. Find somebody to share this with. Find somewhere to go that is safe. You know? Mm-hmm. And so hopefully we've we've adequately covered our tweeted question. Yeah. I'd love to if we could, you know, maybe maybe paraphrase that a little bit because there's only so many characters, but put that back out on Twitter if that's okay with you. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Through, through at Rick Atwater. Let's let's do that. Um, okay, and then is there any? We're, we're probably right near the end of our time here, so l- just let me ask. It was so quick. It just it did, didn't it? it time flies. And uh, is there anything that um, you think that would be helpful to the to the listening audience that you could say about recovery and friendship? The relationship between recovery and friendship, or your experience with uh, your experience with finding a recovering friend, it's been wonderful. Um, mm. I think don't be afraid to put yourself out there. And mm. to, like I was hesitant to ask him. Yeah. You know, not hesitant to jump off the bridge when we were eight, <laughs> but hesitant to ask him if he was recovering. Yeah, I'm revealing my, I'm, you know, breaking my anonymity. Big risk, yeah. Right? There's yeah, some well, risk involved there. Sure. But don't be afraid to do that. Um, and, you know, if you have friends that maybe you think need recovery but haven't quite found it, don't hit them over the head with a book. Don't preach to them, you know. Invite them over for a meal. Mm. Bring them into your house mm. and show them what your life is like today. And Even, if they knew you before and they know you now, yeah. what better example is there of a you know a situation of hope yeah. than for them to feel you loving them, feel you showing them opening yourself up and exposing what your life is like today. You know, you don't need to shove it down somebody's throat. Just be yourself and be so confident in who you are and how you go about your recovery that mm-hmm. they can't help but see a good example. Yeah, and I and I was going to say that in your story, one of the best friends you had was that athletic guy that went to U of I. Mm-hmm. And didn't want to hang out with you anymore because he he said, I, I, "I love you, but I I can't hang out with you." Yeah, that was a good friend. Absolutely, that was a really good. He was friend. on my uh, my list of people I called once I made it to recovery, and his his response yeah. was like, "Forget about it, man. We, Forget we about were, it. We were young. We were all acting crazy. You know what I We're all good." That's good. Well, listen, I I really thank you for coming on tonight. And uh, do you have Neil Young? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Play Neil. Well, Cool. Play some Neil. I really, I do. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Rick. And uh, Thanks, Chris. It was a great, yeah, you know, it was a great story and, and a good message. And uh, thanks to our listeners and our studio audience for making making us a successful little uh, underground uh, support source for the recovering community. And uh, who are we, what are we playing? <laughs> Hard to gold. Uh, We'll email our reminders for next week's show. And as always, look at recovery from a wide and open perspective. Remember to check recoveryinternetradio.com for all the archive shows. Dot com. Dot com. And sign up for our email reminder list. Remember, too, that we want to hear from you so we know where you are. 
As always, live today, love yourself and your neighbor, and together we'll trudge the happy road to destiny. We hope you've enjoyed the show. See you at 8 p.m. next Sunday night. Woo!